The focus of the tribulation is not on what the beast is doing or the false prophet is doing or what the nations are doing to Christians or to Israel. The point of the tribulation is what God is doing. It is the unleashing of His wrath and the wrath of the Lamb against this rebel world. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom opens the book of Revelation to begin a four-part series titled The First Six Seals, The Tribulation Begins. In the early 1900s, the Spanish flu took the lives of an estimated 50 to 100 million people worldwide. Later, during the Second World War, men like Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin were responsible for taking millions of lives. Such tragic events are a small picture of what God, in His wrath, will inflict on this planet during the future seven-year time span known as the Great Tribulation. In the book of Revelation, we find the Apostle John's details of this future period, recorded to give us, as believers, a glimpse into the events of the future just before our Lord Jesus Christ returns. And Tom, why is it so important that we as Christians understand the book of Revelation? You know, Bill, I think for a number of reasons. A lot of Christians just refuse to read, study, and try to understand the book of Revelation. but. God didn't intend that to be true. In fact, Revelation 1-3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. God desired that believers in the first century who received this book and us, that we know and understand the prophecies recorded here. And blessed is the one who commits to that task. So my encouragement to you, friend, is Make it your aim to study all of Scripture. All of Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. And I think you will find that as we study this amazing passage, there are eminently practical ways that this intersects with our lives even today. Thanks, Tom. And friend, let's join our teacher now on The Word Unleashed. Well, I encourage you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. I'm excited about beginning again our study of this great letter and the wonderful recounting of the future that awaits us. I was thinking as I was preparing this week about the last 120 years of human history. None of us here, of course, were alive for all of those years, some of us more than others, but they were truly remarkable. I mean, think about all of the major earth-changing events that occurred. There were countless wars across the globe, including two massive world wars that claimed millions of lives. There were times that promised peace, unparalleled world peace. People were hopeful, times like that between the world wars and like that at the fall of the former Soviet Union. Pandemics paralyzed the world over the last 120 years, including obviously the current one to some extent, but if you've read anything about it, far more devastating, the Spanish flu that took between 50 and 100 million lives 
in the early 1900s. There have been cataclysmic natural disasters that have ravaged our globe, massive earthquakes, devastating volcanoes like the one just this week, hurricanes, typhoons, tornadoes, prolonged famines, unparalleled heat waves, and unthinkable periods of incredible cold. When you think about the politics of the last 120 years, they have been racked with political intrigue, assassinations. There have been dictators like Chairman Mao and Joseph Stalin who massacred tens of millions of their own citizens. And of course, there are so many other events over the last 120 years. Now I want you to imagine that all of those events and so many others that I haven't mentioned by name happened not over 120 years as they did in in this last century, but in seven years. And then imagine that those events were exponentially worse than the historical ones that have occurred over these last decades. If you can imagine that, then you begin to get a small glimpse of what God in His wrath will inflict on this planet and its peoples during a future seven-year period called the Tribulation. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus compares the wars and pandemics and disasters and persecution that have happened throughout history to the Braxton Hicks contractions that a woman experiences before she actually enters labor. Then he compares the coming tribulation to hard labor. Tonight we begin to study the tribulation which is the bulk of the book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 18. You see, in the future, at the end of human history, there will be a period of seven years during which God will unleash His wrath against this earth and its people. And it's that time period that John got to see unfold in symbols and realities and that we want to study together. Now, before we get into the specifics, let me just remind you of the structure of this book. Jesus' words to John in chapter 1, verse 19, provide the natural framework and outline for the book. He says, therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. Using that framework, here's the outline that I've suggested to you, the things which you have seen That's the setting of Jesus' prophecy, chapter 1. The things which are, that is the state of Jesus' church in chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches. And the things which will take place after these things, those are the stages of Jesus' final triumph, beginning in chapter 4 and running all the way through chapter 22. Now, let me break down for you that second, that third part, the things which will take place after these things, the stages of Jesus' final triumph, because that's where we find ourselves, chapters 4 to 22. We have so far studied as sort of the, uh, the first major subdivision of that great portion, chapters 4 and 5, the Lamb and the Seven Seal Scroll. The next major section is the one we enter tonight, the seven-year tribulation. That section runs all the way from chapter 6 
to chapter 18. Now, let me fill out that seven-year tribulation period for you. I'm not going to go through all these in detail. We're going to see them unfold as we go through there. But, but let me just give you sort of an outline to follow. In chapter 6, you have the first six seals. Then in chapter 7, there's an interlude where we look at the tribulation saints. Then in chapters 8 and 9, you have the seventh seal, which contains the first six trumpets. And then there's another interlude where we learn about a little book and two great witnesses, chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 11, verse 14. Then in chapter 11, verse 15 to 19, through the rest of chapter 11, you have the seventh trumpet. Chapters 12 through 14 is an interlude in which we learn about a war in heaven, the beast and the false prophet, and announcements from heaven. Chapters 15 and 16, the seven bowls, and then chapters 17 and 18, the destruction of Babylon, both its religion and its business. So that's an overview of these chapters that articulate in detail the seven-year tribulation. We're going to march through them together, so if you didn't get all of that, that's fine. You, you will by the end. That's just sort of giving you the 30,000-foot level before we get into the, into the forest. So you have the Lamb and the seven seal scrolled in chapters 4 and 5. You have the seven-year tribulation in chapters 6 to 18, the second coming in chapter 19, the thousand-year kingdom of Christ, the millennium in chapter 20, verses 1 to 6, You have the final rebellion in chapter 20, verses 7 to 10, the great white throne judgment, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, and then the eternal state in chapters 21 and 22. Chapter 22 ends with a little epilogue beginning in verse 6 in which we are called to respond and told how we should deal with these things. So you can see that this unfolds in not only a logical but a chronological order, and we'll, we'll see that as we walk through this together. So that is an overview of what we'll study. From Revelation 6 to 18 then, we're going to learn about this coming period period called the tribulation. Now, before we get into the details of it, again, let's look at these, this period that is the tribulation. First of all, the English word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum. That's an agricultural tool for separating the husks from the grain. What they would do is they would take a a heavy board and they would put sharp objects on the bottom of that board, usually nails and rocks and things like that, and then they would sit on top of that board heavy weights and they would drag that heavy board with those those pieces of, of rock and other embedded things across the grain and it would separate the grain from the, the real grain from the husks. That's the process. That's the tribulum. The process was called the tribulatio in Latin. In Greek, the word is thalipsis for tribulation. It means literally a pressing together. You can see where it came from, that the idea of a tribulum where something was pressed under a heavy weight. When this Greek word, thalipsis or tribulation, is used of the study of last things, it refers to a future event. It's used this way five times in the New Testament. Let me give them to you. Matthew 24, 21, Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. 
Matthew 24, 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and he talks about the signs in the heavens. Mark 13, 19, those days will be a time of tribulation, such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and never will. It is a unique time in human history. By the way, Mark 13 is Mark's version of the Olivet Discourse. So these are parallel passages. Mark 13, 24, in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And then Revelation 7, 14, I said to him, my Lord, you know who these people are. And he said, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So notice in every one of those cases, the event Jesus was speaking about was future in his time. And It's still future unless we completely redefine the signs in the heavens because we haven't seen the sun darkened, the moon not giving its light, and the powers of heavens shaken and the stars falling. So unless we've seen those things, this is still future. Now, and there are other reasons, by the way, it's future. I just mentioned that. Now, a couple of times the word great is added, the adjective great is added in, you'll notice in... uh, Matthew 24, a great tribulation. Revelation 7, 14, the great tribulation. Now, the great tribulation likely refers not to the entire seven years, but rather to the last half. The reason I say that is is Matthew 24, Jesus describes an event called the abomination of desolation. We'll talk about that at, at some point, but it's, it's when the Antichrist sets up an alternative object of worship in the temple in Jerusalem, the abomination of desolation. Daniel 9.27 puts that event at the midpoint of the seven years. So after Jesus describes that event, which is at the midpoint, we read this in Matthew 24, 21, for then, that is after the abomination of desolation, which is at the midpoint, there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred. So then what you have is you have all seven years as the tribulation, the last three and a half are called the great tribulation, the great tribulation. Here's the Here's an overview, and don't, if you don't like charts, ignore it, but if it helps you, you can look at it. You can see on the left side is the rapture. That is when the church is taken out of this world. The Lord comes for us. Shortly thereafter, the man of sin is revealed. A covenant is made, and then you have what Jesus calls the beginning of birth pangs. Those are the seals one to five that we're going to begin studying tonight. At the midpoint of the tribulation, at three and a half years, the man of sin breaks his covenant with Israel and he sets up the abomination of desolation. As I said, the second half then is called the great tribulation and seals six and seven, which contain the seven trumpets and the seven bowls. And Jesus likens that last three and a half years, not to the beginning of birth pangs, but to hard labor. And then you have at the end of the seven years, the second coming. So the whole seven-year period is the tribulation, the abomination of desolation when, when the Antichrist sets up an alternative object of worship in the temple himself. That marks the midpoint and the beginning of the second half, which is called the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation is not called that because it's different in character from the first half, but because it will be much more intense. 
All of it is tribulation. The second half will be great. After tonight, it's hard to even imagine something that's worse than the things we'll study that happen in the first half, but that's the reality. Just to give you some descriptive terms of this period, from the human perspective, it's called birth pangs, day of, the day of trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble, the day of distress, the day of darkness, gloom, and clouds. In, from the divine perspective, this period of time is called the day of the Lord, the day of vengeance, the day of punishment, the day of destruction, the day of judgment, the day of the Lord's anger, and the day of wrath or of the Lord's wrath. You can tell quickly the tenor of these times. Some key passages, this isn't all of them, but some key passages that as we study these chapters, we will refer to. You have in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 9, the prophecy of the 70th week in chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Uh, Daniel also comes back to this time of trouble in chapter 12, verse 1, in Zephaniah 1, and in Zechariah chapters 12 to 14. When you come to the New Testament, in the Olivet Discourse, I think, just in case you don't know what that means, near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he delivered a message to his disciples from the Mount of Olives, looking back over the temple, when he told them that the temple would be completely destroyed. They asked him in response to that, what are the signs of your coming? And he delivers what's called the Olivet Discourse, because it was preached from the Mount of Olives. And he talks about the future. He talks about the tribulation and the second coming. And so in both Matthew's version, Matthew 24, and in Mark's version, Mark 13, we learn about this event. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 3, and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and of course, especially in Revelation 6 to 18. Now let me show you the focus of this time, because I don't want you to lose your focus. What is this time period about? There are a lot of moving parts, different characters, a lot of things going on, but what is the tribulation about? Well, let me show you this. Turn with me to a couple of passages. Revelation chapter 6, look at verse 15. Then, this is with the sixth seal that, Lord willing, we'll get to next week. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man, you get the idea, every human being on earth, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Now notice verse 17, this is the tenor of the great tribulation. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Turn over to Revelation chapter 11, verse 17. We give thanks to you, O Lord God, the Almighty, who, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants and the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Look at chapter 14, verse 10. Speaking of those who worship the beast and his image, 
Verse 10 says, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image and receives his mark. Verse 14, you see this image of uh, a white cloud, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. This is our Lord, a picture of our Lord. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. Another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. Where's this going? Verse 19, so the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth, these are human beings, and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. In these things, the wrath of God is displayed and finished. Verse 7, then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Chapter 16, verse 1, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, go to, saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. Verse 19, the great city was split into three parts. The cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And then lastly, look at chapter 19. The second coming. Chapter 19, verse 15, speaking about our Lord, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. Now, I think you can see that the focus of the tribulation is not on what the beast is doing or the false prophet is doing or what the nations are doing to Christians or to Israel. The point of the tribulation is what God is doing. It is the unleashing of his wrath and the wrath of the Lamb against this rebel world. So with that overview and background, let's go back to chapter 6 and read our text for this evening. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying as with a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. 
and another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part one of his series titled The First Six Seals, The Tribulation Begins. Tom will have part two for you on our next program. Join us then, won't you? Well, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit thewordunleashed.org, where you'll find other resources, including additional series from The Word Unleashed. That's thewordunleashed.org. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals just like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. Music